0: I would now uh, like to introduce our main speaker tonight, Steve. F. Hi, everybody. I'm Steve, and I'm a recovered overeater. Hi, Steve. And uh, I am sitting over there, and um, but what I, what I started thinking about was uh, four years ago, my mother died, and I don't recall speaking at a meeting around that time. I may have, but I don't remember it. Uh, so I, I didn't have to, as I recall, speak with the kind of feelings that that I feel. I don't feel I'm alone here, but that uh, we're all kind of loaded with today. Uh, I feel extremely sad, and and there's a lot of anger that's there too, and it's real hard for me to uh, kind of move out of that space and and. I guess I'm kind of thankful for OA because it allows me to feel that, you know, instead of stuffing it down with something. Uh, okay, let's see. Well, uh, I started out uh, from about the age of 11 being a compulsive overeater, as as I recall. Um, my dad had a fruit and vegetable truck, and so... Uh, I could always go out to the truck and, and get... It was n- none of the binge foods, really, but I could always binge on apples and peas in the pod and whatever it was. And when I felt some kind of com- discomfort, I could just go out to my dad's fruit and vegetable truck. And uh, I guess it's a good thing he did... Although he did, before I was born, work for C's Candy. Fortunately, at that time, he didn't. I would have been in big trouble. <sighs> but... Uh Junior high school was, was when I really recall using food as a way of escape. I rem- my memories of high school and junior high school really are about nutrition and lunch. I don't have a whole lot of other memories. you know I can tell you what I ate for nutrition. I can tell you what I ate or, or not what I ate what I binged on for nutrition and lunch. Uh, and uh, I mean, so many things that I didn't realize at the time. But, but food was really my way of, of dealing with, with uh, growing up because I, I thought that everybody else... Uh, I mean, in grammar school, I w- I was popular, and I, I got good grades, and I was a good athlete, and uh, junior high came, and boys and girls started noticing each other a little bit more, and uh, I thought for sure that all these people had, had a book of rules, and, and I just didn't get one. you know um, And so I just... Kind of withdraw, withdrew into myself and into my food. I remember when I was uh, in high school, uh, there, there are four siblings in the, in the family, and uh, during high school, my dad and I built a, on the laundry room attached to the garage, we built a room. So this was going to be my my place. You know, I was... I, I was away from the family, you know, in the backyard and all to myself. And the first night I slept out there, I remember what I did. My ultimate statement of freedom. I remember that I bought a bag of orange slices, the, the candy orange slices. That was it, you know. That was, I could I could eat that without having to worry about my my folks uh, catching me sneaking food because I was a sneak eater, and and that was freedom. That was as much as I knew. Um, when I went away to college, uh, be- between high school and college, I spent the summer eating a lot of carrots and celery and running around the block a lot. And I went went to college and I was thin uh, for the first time in a long time. And I do, uh, I've heard, you know, thin isn't well, but thin is a whole lot better for me than being fat. And, and uh, so uh, I thought that life was going to be different. And... Uh, it was to some degree, but but the truth is that I didn't learn anything about what was driving me to to the food. And uh, so I, I, I was away from, away from college for a, a semester, came back to UCLA and fell in love for the real serious first time. And uh, my girlfriend smoked cigarettes, and that started me smoking cigarettes. And... Uh, Oh, we had kind of an on and again, on again, off again relationship, and uh, you know when when we were off, me and food were on, and that really became a pattern for me for for a long, long time. Uh, when uh, when we finally broke up, and I remember going away to college, I went I was I went away to San Francisco. And uh, that was another sense of freedom, and and my freedom allowed me to get into into drugs pretty uh, wholeheartedly. Um, and from that, experienced a couple of episodes. Not from that. I don't want because that's the way my parents thought. They thought that my drugs were, were the source of my my craziness. The truth was, my craziness was the source of my craziness. Uh, <laughs> And uh, so uh, I spent two episodes in uh, mental hospitals, one in Camarillo and one in St. John's Hospital. And both of those were fairly similar episodes. Uh, I really lost touch with my own ground of being. I, I fell in love with with a woman that was inaccessible and uh, by inaccessible I don't mean that she was personally that she was a a celebrity and um, I met her and uh, I, I had created a fantasy around it I'm a songwriter and she's a songwriter and I, I really thought that uh, you know I was going to pursue her and I, it really ended me up in Camarillo and uh, when I came out of the mental hospital uh, I got involved in meditation. Uh, somehow there was a glimmer of understanding that perhaps there was something wrong up here and that I really needed to deal with, with, uh, with my mental condition. So, so I got involved with meditation for the first time. And I bring that up, and so I will give a little plug for the meditation workshop. Uh, um, but I bring it up because uh, it was, was and is crucial to my recovery. Without it, uh, I don't know what I would do with the voices that would say, oh, go ahead and eat this. This isn't going to hurt you. Or, or that, that would allow me to even wrestle with food, which I don't do anymore at all. There is no, well, should I or shouldn't I? That, because I know where that always goes. And, and meditation has been real helpful in, in that area. Uh, but I wasn't in OA at the time that I started meditation. And so, I, you know, I didn't put it together. I mean, I, like probably most of you, knew all, all the good nutrition facts and, and what you should and shouldn't do, you know. But as they say, self, self-knowledge will uh, avail you nothing. And uh, I mean, I was ready to write a, med- a, a, a diet book because I had done so many of them, and I had all this great information, and I thought that the world needed it, and, uh, I, of course, it didn't do me any good, because, you know, like everything else in my life, I really lived my life from about here up, and um, it, it took, well, let me see, let me get to the, the place of, of uh, real crisis, um, got married, and uh, my ex-wife and I were both smokers, and that, that was like one of the things we had in common. I mean, there were a few th- other things, but I mean, that was one of the things. And um, I went on a fast during our marriage, and like many fasts throughout the time that I was an overeater, uh, it was always to lose weight. And I would fast, one year I remember fasting, one day a week for a whole year. And for those of you taking notes, I will tell you that it is a, it worked. It kept my weight at a certain level for a year. And of course, uh, I had headaches every week. uh, And it was a, it was just a very unpleasant experience, but... You know, it was one of the many things I tried. And and then I, I remember breaking up with this woman that I had lived with, and uh, I went on a two-week fast. And uh, that was the first time I think I, 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 I broke up that I didn't become a yo-yo. And so I, I, I sort of became dedicated to fasting. And every once in a while, I would fast for two weeks. And, and it would be a way of, of losing weight. But this time that I was fasting, and this was towards the end of my marriage, uh, all this time, I had been a smoker, even during fasting. You know, And for those of you that have done fasting, you get really clean inside. And I don't know how I could possibly have smoked through all that, but I did. And this time, for some reason, it became clear to me that I didn't want to put that smoke in my body. And so every time i go for a cigarette it was just very apparent that two things were happening one was that uh, it was habit you know for some reason I felt some slight it could be just the slightest bit of discomfort or or whatever and I'd go for the cigarette and uh, uh, the other well the other thing was that it's it's hard to really get my finger on Let, let me just stay with that for now um Anyway, so I stopped smoking at that, at that time. I had no intention of stopping. But this was this is 20 years now. And I never smoked again and I never wanted to. And the reason I always bring that up is because had I known then that food was the same thing, it's a, it's a matter of habit and some kind of a feeling that pushes you towards it. And so I got it with the cigarettes and I stopped. And, uh, of course, once I stopped smoking, my ex-wife and I had nothing in common anymore. And so uh, our marriage ended, and uh, and I dealt with it the way I usually dealt with the end of relationship, and uh, used food. And for about two years, I would be binging. And I remember once uh, that I, for a while, I lived with this guy out in the valley, and that's how I got from the city to the valley, and in this big house. And I did what I typically did when I, when I had roommates, and that was I would borrow their food. I've never paid anybody back that I borrowed food from. But, it, you know, when I lived with people that weren't compulsive overeaters and they had stuff in the house, I never bought that stuff. But so if they had it, I would borrow it, you know, assuming that they would never miss it. And uh, so I would always binge on other people's food uh, in that way. You know, was a sneak eater then, too. Um uh, and uh, so I was, I was getting heavier and heavier, and uh, I, I moved out of, the, of that situation. I was living alone at the time, and uh, I remember it so well. I was living in Sherman Oaks, and uh, I, was, I was getting to the place where it was time to take care of business. You know, you, you imagine most of us get to a place where there's either a magic number, or it's a certain sense of disgust with yourself, and you decide... I'm going to do something, and uh, I'm going to get serious. And so I did. And every morning I'd get up, and I would vow that today was going to be the day that I was going to, you know, eliminate this problem. And I would come up with some kind of a, an interesting diet. Never three meals a day. That never occurred to me. That was not at all intriguing or tantalizing or anything. So I'd come up with something. And I would always make it through dinner time. And at dinner, I remember so well how it felt. I would be sitting at the dinner table and the food would be going into my body. I wouldn't be experiencing it or tasting it or anything. I'd be tasting mainly my fear. My fear that, you know, I had... Dieted all day, and there's nothing in the house that, you know, I kind of really want right now. And, and I mean, this is my last meal. And so, uh, I mean, I was like a junkie. It was no no question in my mind when I came into this program that, that I was like an alcoholic or a, a drug addict. Uh, because uh, I was just trembling. I tried so hard again today to, to deal with this problem, and I was successful up to dinner time. But as soon as I was done with dinner, I was out the door. And I would get as much as it took to make me feel safe for the rest of the night. And I discovered in this program that safety is a very important thing for me. That, that food and, and binging, was, was, was a lot of it had to do with feeling safe. Because even though at the end of the night, after I had just binged my brains out, because I'd always go to the store and I'd always get more than enough. Because I didn't want to have to go back again, you know. And and after that, you know, all that shame and all that disgust was better than having to face a feeling I wasn't familiar with. You know, what was it like to be alone and, and be divorced? I didn't know. I didn't. I, I didn't really allow myself to feel any of that. But I knew what it felt like to feel ashamed and to feel, uh, you know, just bloated and and all of that stuff so as bad as it felt it felt safe it was predictable I didn't understand that at the time but uh, I, I so I did this the same thing every day I get up you know bright eyed optimist you know talk about willpower I had willpower you know uh, you know if, if I if I decided I was going to have a snickers bar you know nothing could stop me I, I have willpower Um, but the same thing would happen at dinner time. It was, I was all over, and I did this day after day after day. And finally, finally, I got them. Something, something came through, and my sense was there was. I, I experienced two things. One, my worst fear had come true. I had tried my best, and I couldn't. I couldn't do it. I was going to be fat for the rest of my life. My worst fear. Right. And the only thing that got me through was the other little glimmer. I won't say hope, but what it was was the sense that, you know, as a dieter, I was always fighting myself. I was always twisted against myself. You know, we're compulsive overeaters. And if you look up compulsion in the dictionary, you'll find you don't have a choice, you're compelled. So as a dieter, I was always standing in front of the ocean and trying to push it back. And there was no way I could do that. And suddenly, I realized I didn't have to do that anymore. I knew I couldn't do that. I had failed. And there was something ultimately freeing about that. That I took the first step without realizing it. I knew I was powerless. I really, in, every, in every cell in my body, I knew I was powerless, um, I didn't have to lie to myself anymore. I didn't have to to prove anything to my parents or to society, or you know the game was over. I had lost, but I, 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 there's something about the dignity of not having to have to fight yourself anymore that I found somewhat liberati- liberating among all this this uh, despair because I didn't have the hope of this program, and so for about. Um, this this woman told me about uh, OA. I didn't know OA existed. I knew about AA, but I didn't know about OA. And I went to a meeting, and I went for about two weeks. And this was back in, uh, my first meeting was Valentine's Day of 1983. And I went for about two weeks looking for ways to poke holes in the balloon. And uh, I don't like organizations. I don't like being told what to believe. Like I said, I was a meditator. I was on a spiritual path. I believed in God. God was a very convenient intellectual belief. You know, never had to really put it to the test. But uh, I didn't want to be told what to believe. I didn't want to be, I have to join anything. Uh, but I had nowhere else to turn. And if they had told me about a diet, I would have been gone. Because I had tried them all. And I, I, you know, I knew about them. So I didn't, I didn't really want to hear that. And uh, all my objections got answered. And finally, after two weeks, um, I got a sponsor. And uh, I was at a meeting at the uh, Valley office, and there was a guy there that had something I wanted. And he had a glow about him. And so I went up to him after the meeting, and I said... uh, can I call you? Or Actually, I think he came up to me. I can't remember exactly. But I didn't go up to him and say, Will you be my sponsor? I didn't have the the nerve to do that. But I did say, Can I call you? And uh, so we had coffee and he gave me some things to, to do that had to do with processing my feelings. And uh, I thought the only feeling I really had ultimately was hunger. I thought anything that was a little bit strange to me that i couldn't couldn't really put my finger on or feel was hunger and i always responded to it as hunger and so over the weekend i had a long conversation with god and i I, like i said i was on a spiritual path but i was not on a path of talking to god that was not part of part of this uh process but they said that that half measures avail you nothing. And I had no place else to turn. I was desperate. I was unhappy. I was miserable. And so my sense was that I was walking a tightrope and there was no net below it. If God wasn't there to catch me, I was going to come crashing down pretty hard because uh, I was willing to, to embrace this program. Not because I believed it, but because I didn't have anywhere else to turn. And so I was willing to try. And so I woke up on Monday morning, and I knew something had happened, because instead of getting up and making a beeline into the kitchen, you know, I got up, did what I had to do. When I did finally have breakfast, uh, I, I had a, a serving of this, a serving of that, I never thought servings were for, for real. I never believed that. Um, that's for other people. And I ate what I said I was going to eat. And uh, I remember uh, in between breakfast and lunch, I went to the market because he made it clear that, you know, you should have things in the house that, that, uh, for the week so that you don't do impulsive buying. And he also said something to me that was that really stunned me. He said, "I want you to enjoy your food." That to me was remarkable. All my life as a dieter, I, food was always a matter of either doing penance or going hog wild. <laughs> and and so, oh, okay. You mean I can I can enjoy my food? All right, that, I'll try that. And that that has changed my relationship with food dramatically. I really like food today. I, when I hear people talking about we got to walk the line three times a day, to me, I don't relate to that. I get to eat three times a day and I enjoy every one of those. And when I'm done, I'm done. And that's it. But, um... Anyways, so I had had breakfast that first morning. And... Uh, I went to the market and I'm standing in front of the salad dressing and I'm there for a while contemplating, you know, the right dressing. Again, I want to do this right now. And I'm starting to have these hunger thoughts. And I say thoughts because they're not feelings. I just ate. How could I feel hunger? And he suggested, you know, when, when certain things happen like this and are inappropriate, I want you to start writing. And I had my trusty book with me. I mean, I was willing to do all this stuff. And I started writing and writing and writing. And, and, and suddenly I realized that there was this gal a couple aisles down that I was attracted to. And, and you know, I completely ignored it. And, and I'm there in front of the salad dressing. And what I'm really feeling is lust. And I thought, wow, that wasn't hunger, that was lust. <laughs> you know? And that was just the first of many experiences where I could feel feelings that I thought ultimately were hunger. Because I thought they were all hunger, and that first day was incredible for me, and and I thought for sure that I was just having a great day, and that tomorrow was going to be different. Because I was used to going on diets, you know, and and you can have a good day, or you can even have a good week, you know, but it ends, you know, if if some emotion happens to hit you, you know, life intrudes, and boom, you're back to your old way of being. But the next day I got up and it was, it was it was that way too, you know that emptiness that I was always trying to fill with food, got filled, and and, and it was it was just that was I was on different footing, you know when you in the big book about Bill talking about being on different footing, I was on different footing. This wasn't this wasn't a diet, you know it's funny because I remember trying to convince my folks that this was something different because they're compulsive over or they were mm-hmm. compulsive overeaters themselves. And they couldn't relate to that. They didn't understand it. But it's not a diet, you know. And, and uh, I will never diet again, I, you know. I, um, anyways, so so it uh, the, the weight loss was the easiest weight loss because for me it was not a struggle. I was not battling myself anymore. I, that was done. The weight just came off. And, of course, what scared me was I can tend to get cocky and... Uh, You know, uh, after I've lost my weight and diets, what do I do? I just, you know, okay, now I can have a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And just, you know, I can handle this. I'm on top of it because I did it. You know, well, I knew I didn't do it. I knew that, I mean, I I play a part in it. But I know I, I don't do this alone. It's, you know, my higher power is doing for me what I can't do for myself. And the people in this program also help support me. So I don't have any illusion about where this this strength and power come from. Um, but when I lost all that weight, my, my fear was, what's going to keep me around here? Because it came off very quickly. Uh, what's going to keep me around here? I'll tell you what's kept me around here for, you know, it's been 18 and a half years. What's kept me around here is the sanity. That's why I always talk about my my little trips to the mental institutions. Because I know what insanity is like. I used to be very flippant about that. But I know what it's like. I really do. And uh, this program gives, gives me a sanity today that, that is uh, an incredible blessing in my life. That gives me the, free, the real freedom. You know, it's not orange slices anymore. It's the freedom to, to go through life consciously and not have to numb it out with food. That allows me to experience what you know what we're going through in these days. And I was I was in the Twin Towers uh, about a month and a half ago, uh, so I felt you know somewhat of a connection with that. But I you know I, I just felt this, this thing just go right through my heart. You know those planes going through the towers were like just going through my heart, and I don't think I could have felt that before. And uh, and the anger that I feel you know I was I was a protester in the Vietnam War. So I didn't feel that sense of, of, uh, you know, a sense of pride in my country. Uh, In the same way that, you know, when I was growing up, I don't think I felt that connected to my family in that way. You know, when I became recovered, I I really found that my parents gave me a lot that I never appreciated because I was so angry about my condition. And... uh, so, so it's 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 an incredible blessing for me to to live the way that I, that I can live today, in spite of 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 what we're going through. And uh, let me see if I can wrap it up a little bit. Um, I'll tell you what I what I do today. That uh, my life is fairly simple in, in terms of of what I do in this program. I, I try and stay connected to the people that that I can be close to and 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 let know who I am and be real with. Uh, I make sure that I go to the market once a week still and get the food that I know is good for me. I call my food in every morning. I used to, I, I tended to write it down before I called it in, but I just had the inside of my house painted, and so I can't even find the papers that I write it down. But I know pretty much what I'm going to eat, and I, I call it in, and, and that keeps me honest. And, you know, bless this guy, he, he, uh, when I call, his answering machine's on. So I tell an answering machine. Uh, most of the time, it's OK, because I feel just as much uh, committed to what I commit to as as, you know, somebody once told me, you know, you could call the operator and tell her or, or him, you know, if, if they still answer. I don't know if you still can call the operator, but it's a it's a way of, you know, it's like from you to God's ears. And and that's what it is for me. Uh, I say a prayer before I, each meal. Now, I don't have to say it out loud, but I do that because that keeps me from doing a swan dive into the food. Now, for me, if I were to give this program in its simplest form, I would say it's all about uh, having no God in front of God. And that includes food and anything else. God is my higher power. Before, you know, I could have had all the religion. You know, God was up here, you know, it was an intellectual belief. It didn't cost me anything. But, you know, when it came down to it, my higher power was food. That's what it, where I really went to, to seek my sustenance, to seek my comfort. And um, so if I would simplify this program in any way, and I do think this is a simple program. The only thing that I think is hard in this program is this, you know. Um, but is that, that God comes first. So when, I, when I, I say I'm abstinent, abstinence for me is my covenant with my higher power. My food plan is going to be different from your food plan. I guarantee you. But that's that's strategy, and how you work it is how you work it. Uh, if you eat sugar and it works for you, great. I'm I'm not not a fanatic in this program. I've been I remember when I was living with a woman and I was a vegetarian, and you know I, I can make a religion out of anything. Um, so I, you know, it's it's not that at all, and. Uh, so for me, my, my abstinence is my covenant with my higher power. My higher power does for me what I cannot do for myself, and I know that I could not handle food today if it was not for that relationship. And it's up to me to keep that relationship strong. And my food plan, well, for me it is three meals a day, nothing in between. It's fairly simple. But it's, you know, it's the food that I like. Like I said, you know I enjoy my food. I love mangoes, and so I, I have mangoes as often as I can. I, I mean, you know, not, not to excess, but I have them most every day. And, uh, and other things that I enjoy. Um, and, and meditation is, is, is very important to me still. Um, and, the, and the people, like I say, that I'm close to, and I, I try and remain close. You know, sponsorship for me is a two-way street. You know, I've, I, the people that I'm closest to and that I can be most intimate with are the people that I started out sponsoring. And I can go to them as easily as they can go to me. And, and that's a real gift. Uh, I think I've said it. Um, yeah, I think I've said it. Uh, I'm, real, I'm real grateful for this program and, and all the blessings that it's given me. So thank you for listening. Yeah okay Uh, I guess in the uh, time remaining uh, if you have any questions shoot yeah yeah in the wake of all that's happened during this week how has that affected my relationship with God that's a great question that's a that's a really great question uh I'd be dishonest if I said that that uh, that it's changed dramatically, because you know my relationship with God takes me through whatever it takes me through. Uh, but it certainly has given me a lot more gratitude. I know that that uh, without a relationship with God, uh, it would be very very hard. I mean, it is very hard to go, live through these times, but it would be much, much harder. And I know that without that relationship, it would be food. It would be that would be where I'd be going. Uh, prayer seems to be a, a lot more vital these days. Uh, I find myself being a lot more uh, panoramic in my view of, of, of who I pray for. Um But I also I guess I find that that my God allows me to to have to have a lot of latitude in terms of what I feel because um, I feel a lot of anger underneath a lot of this sadness. And uh, there's something there's something I think about, my relationship with God that, that 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 is a an honesty factor, so it allows me to trust. I've learned through this program to trust what I feel, not necessarily to worship what I feel, but to trust it, to process it. That it's very important, and 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 to honor it. And uh, I think all all those things that I've learned, I've learned because I've had a higher power guide me through that. Yeah. yeah. Your newcomers, here. any uh, suggestions or experiences with your uh, four-step inventory format and that so you think would be valuable for uh, people looking for that. The okay, obviously important things. Uh, uh, what I've taken a few few inventories over the years, a few big ones, and uh, I remember the first inventory. It was one that I think it came from a. I don't know where. It was huge. It was a real inventory. And uh, I remember getting... So it took me quite a bit of time. And I remember getting stuck. And you know where I got stuck? Procrastination. (laughs) I thought that was really interesting. I'm never going to finish understanding all my character defects with regard to uh, procrastination. Because I'm never going to... I'm going to keep procrastinating. (laughs) So... uh, on one hand, I was very serious about it, but I think you have to have to also have have a little bit of uh, lightness about it because, you know, I remember, you know, I wanted to do this thing so right, as if there was a right. There is no right way to do an inventory other than to do it honestly. There are just inventory after inventory. It's about getting honest with yourself. It's about looking inside. Starting to, you know, we look so long towards the food that that it. Anything that you start to do in that process to, to help you look inside is going to is going to help. Um, with regard to making amends, um, well, I remember some of the early amends that I made. Uh, you know, there, there were things I borrowed that I, that I I thought I thought that you know it was no big deal, and I. I I really was willing to humiliate myself. I thought, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't think there was any amend that I made that, that really humiliated me ultimately, other than my, it was my fear that, of what might happen. Um, made an amend to my dad, uh, both both uh, while he was alive and also uh, while he was dying, when he wasn't even conscious, uh, he may or may not have heard me. I made an amend to my ex wife uh ten years after our divorce, and it was really a very beautiful moment because uh all the things that I, I used i used to be very flippant kind of a you know take my wife you know and all the kind of jokey you know all the things she did to me, but never really looked at it very seriously i wasn't ready to and then ten years into this program, I was ready to and it we, it wasn't a painful divorce- it wasn't like a lot of people it was really uh, we we remained friends, but still it was uh, not something that I was ready to embrace right away. And uh, we met for lunch, and we'd been in contact for uh, what we call and wish each other a happy birthday over the years, but this was ten years after our divorce. And we met for lunch, and she told me she was about to get married. And when I told her all the things that I thought I had done wrong, and she seemed not to have, they were a much bigger deal to me than they were to her uh and I felt a real genuine happiness for her that I hadn't screwed her up, and that she was able to you know get married again. that made me feel good, and I really welcomed it and, and so it was one of the most joyful uh amends that i that I made um, so I, I guess an answer to your question stay open yeah oh, sorry. Well, I don't think because of that. There there have been a couple of relationships uh, uh, that have ended. And uh, a best friend who I went into an investment with, uh, I mean, he was a best friend for almost 30 years. And I I experienced more pain with that breakup than with my marriage. Um, But I don't recall, uh, you know, specifically, oh, I've got to get this person out of my life for the sake of abstinence. I never felt that that experience I've heard people talk about that and, and you know I I don't really feel like there have been people that have been severely poisonous in my life uh, any more than I've been poisonous in theirs um, so so no yeah um, I'm, I'm fairly new um, did you ever have doubts about coming back and like, being here and if you did how Uh, yeah, she, she says she's new and has. Have I ever had any doubts about coming back to. and, and how did I deal with that? About being here. Uh, no. Uh, but. I still. I've heard that and I understand that. I mean, for me, and I learned this from growing up Jewish, I think. Uh, at a certain point, I had to realize that that that's uh, not. I mean, it could be any tradition. I, I, it has nothing to do with being Jewish. It, it's just I, I always kind of rebelled against that for a long time. And it was. And what I misunderstood was that I thought that the people that I associated with, that kind of like the cloying relatives of mine, that, that just drove me nuts. That that was what it was about. And and I've heard people get driven away because they didn't like some of the people here and you know something I don't like some of the people here I don't think I could go anywhere and, and like everybody uh, so so it, it's real clear to me that OA is not the specific personalities here OA to me is isn't, although us, us people do carry this message but OA is in, embraced by the 12 steps and that's where you'll find OA so you can, you can go to a meeting anywhere. You know I have meetings in, in coffee shops or you know, in a car. It doesn't matter. To me, OA is, is not the meetings, although meetings can be very, very important. And I need to make a distinction between that and understand those 12 steps have never failed me. I've never doubted them. I didn't, the only steps I had before this program was right to the kitchen. And today, I, those, those guide me. Okay, one more. How do you when you really if somebody really pisses you off, how do you practice the principles of the program? Okay, if somebody really pisses me off, how do I practice the principles of the program and not have to make an amends do something I have to make an amends for? Well, you know what? I'm not a saint and sometimes I do have to make amends, sometimes I screw up. And that's okay. And that's why we have those amends. I mean I don't go out of my way to to because I don't particularly like to have to make amends all the time but you know I found it much easier you know to, to make those amends than to have to carry it around it's a real I know the discomfort I feel when I'm off you know when you're not eating over it you feel that stuff and it's much more painful to, to hold on to that stuff than to make amends And I'll, you know some that'll just tell me you know just as I was driven to the food I get driven to those amends you know so you know I do my best to be a good person but you know I screw up And that's okay. So, I guess uh, that's it. I thank you for letting me share.